0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to be together this morning. I'm Robert Carrillo here at our Metro Studios in Los Angeles. And uh, first of all, just greetings to all the mighty Metro region and uh, members of the Los Angeles Church that are out there watching today and and throughout the week. And uh, also just a, a special greeting to all of you who have been sending your hellos and best wishes and prayers from, uh, I've got new ones from, from Stockholm, from Ireland, from Brazil, from Argentina and, and Malaysia and uh, all over the world. It's great to hear from all of you. It's super encouraging to hear that we can uh, uh, just share this time to encourage and inspire friends, family, neighbors uh, all over the world. And uh, And I do want to give a special welcome to those of you that are friends and families of uh members of the Los Angeles Church or the International Church of Christ. It's great to have you with us. So uh today we are continuing in our series on uh, heroes of faith over fear. And uh uh you know there's there, there's the the Bible is full of just great stories that are inspiring and encouraging and most of the most of the great stories are all Ordinary people who were put in extraordinarily challenging situations, who rose up to the call, who stepped out on fear, who, who by faith, uh, took on challenges and overcame them, and God was able to bless them. And I think that's you know kind of the situation we're in now. A lot of us uh, we're feeling it, you know, with everything going on. Uh, the, yesterday here in California, they closed down the parks and the beaches and. And uh, all over the world, I think, you know, people are being shut in homes to stay home, to, 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 to lower and slow down the spread of the virus. And, and certainly everybody's talking about fear and anxiety and stress. So, so we're jumping into a series of, uh, of lives and examples in the Bible of people who just kept going in, in the face of fear, in the face of danger. Uh, handled it well, handled it spiritually. And, you know, that's going to mean something different in every situation. But uh, being close to God is always the right answer. Turning to God is always the right thing to do. And today I'm super excited uh, about uh, studying the life of Elijah. He's one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible. And uh, actually, you know, there's there's so much in Elijah's life that uh, I think we're going to definitely have to do two sessions uh, one today, one tomorrow. So we're going to jump right on in. Elijah, um, the time, the backdrop, this is, uh, uh, give you a quick, quick, quick backdrop. You know, the Jews, they're led out of Egypt by Moses. They take the promised land being led by Joshua. They establish themselves. Then they want a king. They got Saul, then David, and Solomon. Then the kingdom splits. And you've got uh, Judah in the north and Israel in the south. And, and uh, excuse me, reverse that. Uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and um, and things are not going so good. And we're going to jump right into that time period. Uh, we're we're uh, we're at about the ninth century in First Kings, uh, chapter sixteen. And I'm going to have uh, some of the scriptures. And today's we're we're really going to dig in here in the in the story of it. Um, uh, I think there's just some really great lessons, some really cool things to walk away with that just encourage my heart, and I hope they'll encourage your heart as well. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 16, it says, in the 38th year of Esau, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Okay, you got to stop right there and appreciate and understand how intense that sentence is. Let me rewind and say it again. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. I mean, wow, what an intense thing to have said about you, that you've done more evil than anybody before you. Uh, that, That tells us a whole lot. And I mean, not to mention, this is what's recorded in the Bible for all time. He says, he not only considered it trivial, to commit the sins of jeroboam which son of nabat which his sin was changing worship changing building his own temple re-establishing a center of worship and and basically doing religion his way instead of following closely god's plan and 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 he said, and it says, he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins, of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. So he not only changed everything God did and that God set up, you know, which, which is a huge sin. I mean, we don't, we don't get to change the religion. We don't get to change the Bible. God is God and we are not probably one of the most basic fundamental understandings of truth is knowing that God is God and I am not God is God. You are not. And therefore we cannot, we don't get to go change the Bible. We don't get to rewrite our religion and people try it. I mean, there's people try making up their own religion. In fact, it's quite popular today to kind of approach religion like a buffet. I'll have a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of Hindu and Buddhism and make up our own religion. That's what Jeroboam did. And that was inexcusable. God gave us, gave us a plan, showed us what to do. And it's for us to follow him and not try to change it. His plan is perfect. Truth is truth. God knows what he's doing. We need to stick to it, but it's not, it's it's not what Ahab did. So he, and then he marries Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, which She brings in a boatload of problems. I mean, that name has been a cursed name for you know for for ever since then. You know, for three thousand years now. Jezebel. You don't want to. Nobody names their daughter Jezebel. I hope not. And um, and she brings in the worship of Baal, and and introduces this, and it becomes worship in Jerusalem. Worship Baal becomes worshipped. In the king's palace. And with that is the whole idea of Molech. And Molech, um, well, I'll tell you about Molech later. So uh, here's a sentence about Molech. Um, This is later in Jeremiah's ministry, as Jeremiah the prophet says The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and defiled it. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. I mean, it tells you, it just, you know, God is appalled and disgusted by this, that people would sacrifice their own children. And here, this is what Ahab was doing up in the north. He was sacrificing children. It was allowing this worship practice to happen. And later it influenced in Jerusalem. And this is what Jeremiah's uh, referring to. And he says, so beware the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Himon, but the Valley of Slaughter, for they will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. And it's a prophecy of destruction. Don't have time to get into it. But the bottom line is Molech is just evil as evil can be and i've actually seen sites when i was running around in israel where where they they have found charred remains of children that were sacrificed this was just detestable to god uh you know you know we we've all you know we know the new testament we know how jesus feels about children which shows you how god feels about children how protective he is of children and it's it's the one thing that i think it's one of the moments where we really kind of naturally react as people who are made in God's image we are naturally appalled when somebody hurts children we're naturally disgusted when children are abused or or disregarded or not taken care of I think that's just part of our being made in God's image that we know this is wrong we are protective of of all things that are young and and, and innocent and here Moloch was 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 a god that that demanded, you know, according to the prophets of Molech, that demanded uh child sacrifice. This just absolutely disgusted God. And you know, the 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 mention here is that he brought in worship of Baal. And this is important to know. I'm not just into foreign gods or false gods, but you gotta kind of know this backstory here to really appreciate who Elijah is. And 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 we're gonna read Elijah because we want to know about him. And what kind of person he is, because I think that's what's so encouraging. So so we're also looking at Baal, Baal Zebul, Lord on high, um, Lord of the skies. Uh, I have an arrow, a picture on the screen there, and the arrow's pointing to a flat where they have found the charred remains of children. And there's crossover here with worship of Baal, worship of Molech. I don't, I don't know all of that. I'm sure there's some, some uh, experts out there, but I know generally there is crossover here. Um, I will say this one little funny thing, uh, is, um, is Jesus, uh, uh, le, you would see in the New Testament refer to Satan of Beelzebub, you know, which means Lord of the Flies instead of Beelzebul, which is Lord of, on, Lord on High, which is what his name was. So Jesus definitely taking a little jab there. But what's important to know about Baal, is that he's, he? you see the pictures here, he was typically holding a rod of thunder, or lightning, I should say, not a rod of thunder, but a, a, rod, a lightning rod. And he's usually standing there with his lightning rod, and that's the typical image of Baal. Usually the lightning rod was made of gold, so you, most all the statues don't have it anymore, they just have to stand up there. But it was a lightning rod of gold. And he was the god of lightning, you know, equatable, similar to Zeus, you know. But he's the god of of rain. He was the god of fire. He was the god of lightning. Now, all that's important to keep in mind. This is Baal, the god of fire, rain, and lightning. And the people are turning to it, and they're and and and, and under this kingship, under this leadership, uh, under Ahab's direction. The, the prophets of God, the prophets of Yahweh are being hunted down and they're having to go into hiding and Baal worship is being promoted. And that's what everybody's talking about, that we worship Baal, you know, and 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 then in comes this man that we call Elijah. Uh, what does Elijah mean? It means Yahweh is my God. And I love that because his very name just kind of challenges the system. His very name is like, hey, God, Elijah, says, Yahweh is my God. I mean, just right off, right off the bat, he's challenging the whole belief system. So, Elijah comes in, in chapter 17, Elijah announces a great drought. Okay, now remember, everybody's praying to Baal for rain because he's the God of rain, Right? And and Elijah comes says, no God, Yahweh is my God, and He's going to stop the rain. So He's totally going into Baal's turf here. He's gonna he announces a great drought. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe Gilead said to Ahab the king, as the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And, you know, he, being a prophet of God, he's not holding himself up. He's holding up God and the power of God. This is this this is huge here. I mean, you know, we, we when people get scared, they usually turn to whatever they believe has the power to save them. Oftentimes that's money or fame or connections or influence or something like that. Um. Elijah's coming in and saying, God's taken over here and he's going to stop the rain. Now, not only, you know, is, is is it a demonstration of great power to be able to stop the rain, and especially when everybody's turning to Baal for rain. Not only is all that happening, but it's not like these were times where people could just run down to the store and buy some more food. If it rained, it meant if it didn't rain, it meant your crops fail, and if your crops fail, you go hungry. And you know when when food is in danger, people get panicky, people get really scared because they know it can quickly become a life or death situation, life or death. Um, you know we've seen some weird behavior lately, even this last few weeks, right? And things like toilet paper disappearing and but also people hoarding food. Even though there there isn't anybody saying that there's going to be a scarcity of food. And in fact, what everybody's saying is, calm down, the food supply is not going to stop. Yet, yet, there have been people hoarding food and people getting scared and food shelves have been emptying out as well. And now there's another, coming very soon, another fear of, People, so many people are not able to work right now. So many people are not getting paychecks. Am I going to be able to buy food for my family? Forget whether it's in the store or not. Will I have money to buy it with, even if it is available? And this is when people get really scared. This is when panics happen. This is when 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 crowds and mobs get out of control. And a lot of countries throughout history. When people start going hungry is when you start having revolutions and riots because it becomes very real at a a very primordial level of of fear of, of going hungry or not being able to feed our children. And so for Elijah to say, I'm stopping the rain, everybody's praying to Baal, they're praying to the wrong God, everybody's turning to the wrong God, everybody's depending on the wrong God. So the real God is going to stop the rain to show you Who's really in charge here? That's pretty major. In First Kings 17, 2, it says, uh, "'Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, "'Leave here, turn eastward, "'and hide in the Carithene Ravine east of the Jordan. "'You will drink from the brook, "'and I have, and I have directed the ravens "'to supply you with food there.'" So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Careth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. You know, God. God not only was he using Elijah to make some pretty powerful statements and proclamations and challenging the system, but he was also teaching Elijah to depend on him. You know, again, we get nervous when we don't know when our next meal, where our next meal is going to come from. How would you like to, how would you like to depend on birds flying around that they're going to bring you your next meal, that they're going to sustain you? And not only just today, but tomorrow or the next day or the next day. It's a classic teaching tool God uses. Of course, to use this when the, when the Hebrews were in the wilderness, that they weren't allowed to save food up. They had to depend every day except for the day before the Sabbath. They could save for the sabbath but every other day they were not allowed to save food they had to learn to depend on God day by day when there is uh there's no promise of tomorrow there's no guarantee you know generally we get secure when we have guarantees we know okay I know I've got a good job it's going to stay steady or I know I got in the money in the bank I can withdraw for for days, or we've got food, you know, stored away. We, we got enough food to feed everybody for a while. That, I mean, it gives me security. It gives most of us security. We know, okay, we're good. You know, we're good. I keep my, I've kept my car gassed up and the, and the cupboards full, ready for whatever happens. Right. And that gives me security. Well, here God is taking all security away from Elijah and he's literally living day by day. It's, it's, it's like, living paycheck to paycheck on steroids day by day you're dependent on this happening you're dependent on on God feeding you through a bunch of birds you know and and I think he was training Elijah to really trust him and Elijah I love I love Elijah because he is he is so uh real and the things that we're going to see him go through and the things that we're going to see him do and feel, I think a lot of us are going to relate to that, especially those of us who are in any kind of a leader leadership role, which is almost everybody, whether your leadership role is a parent or a boss somewhere or the church or whatever. Um, but the, the, the challenges he goes through and God's training of his heart, teaching him to trust in God to have faith in God. You know, it's one thing to go out there and say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But it's another thing to trust God that every meal is going to be brought to you by a bunch of birds. You know, that, they, that he's going to take care of you and make sure you are fed. And so Elijah gets fed by the ravens. Um, and there's a whole other story of where he then goes to a, a widow's house who's about to die and literally asks her for her last meal to feed him. You know, and tells her to trust God basically that her her jar of oil and and and, and uh, flour will not run out, and that they'll be able to keep eating. And so, not only first of all, he's taught that he's got to trust God, but then he's got to trust God to challenge other people. You know, it's 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 not only do you believe God enough for depend on Him yourself but to also tell other people to depend on him, to even take risks. I mean, this, this this widow, if you read the whole chapter, she says, this is my last meal. I'm going to go home, eat our last meal and die. And he says, okay, why don't you give it to me and trust that God's going to take care of you? And it's like, "Whoa, that would take a lot of faith, you know, to not only be challenged like that personally, but to turn around and challenge somebody else in the same way. And, you know, faith, faith in some ways, the opposite of faith is doubt. But in other ways, the opposite of faith is fear. And the opposite of fear, fear, the inoculation of fear, is faith. How do you deal with fear? Faith. Putting your hope not on the things of this world, but in God. And entrusting him that he will take care of you. And that whatever happens, he will always be there. And not that God is running around controlling everything for our good, but he is running around and in control enough to take whatever the world dishes out and turn it to good and help us in this. Jesus told us to watch out because Satan is the ruler of this world. Satan is so many things are happening. And he he told us to pray every day that the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, why would we pray that if that's what was happening? Of course, that's not what, what's happening. It's Satan's will. Satan is the ruler of this world. So he asks us to pray for them. But, but there are so many scriptures that talk to us about how God will be with us through trials, through tribulations, through challenges, through, through so many different things that we're going to be going through. And and, and I believe that God is always leading us in, to grow in our faith. And sometimes it's baby steps. Sometimes it's big steps. Sometimes it's leaps across chasms. You know, and and that's just part of his training of our hearts. He's very, God is very patient. He's very, very, very patient. You know, when the when the spies wanted to uh, when the when the Hebrew wanted to send in spies, that was not God's plan. They were supposed to just march in and take it. But they were scared, they wanted to send in spies. He worked with them. He even told them, you know, which people to pick and all that. But it wasn't his plan. He was just trying to help them out. And of course, that ended up back and backfiring on them. The spies got filled with fear. They filled the whole group with fear. That entire generation, two million people—it's always been said. I don't know if that was the correct number, but you know, for 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 understanding's sake, are led out of Egypt. And how many go into the promised land? Two. Their entire generation has to die off because of their lack of faith, of allowing fear to dominate their thinking. And so we have to think, you know, as God's people, what is being faithful for me today? Being faithful is trusting that God is with me, trusting that that there will always be a way out, there, and I will not be challenged with more than I can bear that I can find contentment, joy, even peace in God. Somebody once uh, asked um, a class, to an art class, to paint faith, paint a picture of faith. And some people painted people praying. Some people painted crosses and religious symbols. And this one student painted uh, a storm. And so the, the, the professor went through, and everybody had explained their painting. And he said, okay, now this one's very interesting. How is this faith? And the student explained that the storm is swirling around. Trees were bending over and breaking. Walls were falling over. But here was this, and he said, if you look in this branch, there's a little bird sitting in its nest with a smile. It has found peace even in the midst of a storm. And you know where you find that peace is? With God, that's that's the only way you find that kind of peace. With God and work and walking, and with God, being close to God, and giving your heart and your mind to God, choosing to trust Him, choosing to believe that if you do things His way, they will turn out well. They will go uh, as they are supposed to, and God will. And even even if Satan does attack, even if evil falls on you, that God can bless you and strengthen you and help you through any situation that the world or Satan or life dishes out, that he can help you through it. I am a living testimony of that, the, all the things I've been through, and yet God has always rescued me and always kept me strong through all of it. And, and the same can be for any one of us. Because God loves you as much as he's loved every anybody, as much as he loved Elijah. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to have to just stop right here because, wow, this is probably going to need to be a three or four uh, uh, class. Maybe 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 we'll take the rest of the week with Elijah because there really is so much here that's great with Elijah. But I would encourage you to read Elijah 16 and 17, and then tomorrow we'll go into chapter 18, the great battle where it's Baal versus Yahweh, and we already know who wins that. So we'll stop there. I'm gonna I'm gonna get us all the way to uh, let's see. Uh, I'll get to this slide here where um, I'd like us to. Oh, just want to let you know that the that you know we do have a great set of scr- of songs, a playlist for you. Quiet time, it's called, and I put it on my Facebook page. If you want to look me up, Robert Carrillo. Um, there's a link there, or you can just go into um uh go into Spotify and look up quiet time, and also you know would I'd like to encourage everybody to subscribe, please go in there, subscribe, and send me a note. I've been reading the notes, I actually didn't know that I, there were notes there for the first few days until recently, and then I realized there's a whole set of notes there, and it's just great to hear from you, whether you're here in in the mighty metro region or you're in another country somewhere halfway around the world, it's it's always special. It's super encouraging to hear from you and hear something you're learning or what's moving you or what's helping you. So for now, stay safe, stay secure in God, and stay spiritual so that we can have that peace in all circumstances that transcends understanding. Love you guys. Take care, and we'll see you tomorrow.